the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM fifteen twenty. The answer. Hey friends, Bob France here, and I've got bad news and good news for you. Which one do you want first? Well, we'll start with the bad. The bad news is I'm not in today. Now the good. The good news is Rob Walgate is in. You will be treated to the wit and wisdom of my good friend from the Ohio Roundtable, the American Policy Roundtable, and the Public Square Broadcast Network. Rob Walgate, thank you so much for being here for my conservative audience, my friend. Take it away. Welcome to the Bob Prince Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. What a very kind intro that was for Bob, from Bob. Honored to be sitting in the seat today, holding down the fort. And I am joined this morning by Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable and host of the Public Square. Good morning, Dave. I'm totally distracted this morning. <laughs> we I, we got hooked up on the internet. We have coffee. We have water. How? how oh man, are you kidding me? Fauci's emails. Fauci's emails. Oh, we have hey, 3,200 pages. 3,200 pages. Uh, how many times has Melanie Elsie read all 3,200 pages by now? <laughs> they, they they were released eight hours ago. But before we dive in and get too deep, I, I don't want Andrew to get all the phone calls and Marcy to get all the phone calls. Usually when I sit in for Bob because I if I neglect to do something, one thing he does every single morning that we want to make sure we get to, and that's the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Nice job, everyone. Now get out there and explore, discover, and create. There we go. Always start with the pledge. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Fauci's emails. You know, what's interesting about planning to host for radio or to do any radio show is you you always have, what, 
eight pages of notes, 10 pages of notes, all kinds of material. And then when you sit down to do it and you realize something is blown up, and that's how you and I were as we sat down a few minutes ago, I said, hey, check out Fauci's emails online. And you and I just started having discussions about everything that bounced back and forth. Oh, man. I'm going through this just like, you know, everyone listening is is, is jumping to their phone, to their computer saying, what, 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 what? And the first thing that comes out of the box, and of course, it, you, you have to get these through articles. There's a couple of places where um, you can actually get access into all of the files. Now, I am I'm not going to I'm going to trust our legislative director, Melanie Elsie, to get through all thirty two hundred. But one of the first one that jumps up uh, in the BuzzFeed coverage of this, and they were the ones that did the Freedom of Information Act. Now, this is significant because we're going to talk over the next couple of days about Freedom of Information Acts and how we have participated through the roundtable here in Ohio with what Mike DeWine was doing with Amy Acton, Ohio State University as well, early in the COVID crisis. But let's let's set the table in this regard. Today is June the 2nd. I wish we, I should have told Andrew, bring up the songs from The Wizard of Oz. It's a ding-dong, the witch is dead moment. Because at 12.01... This Today, morning, yes, the majority of the orders were rescinded. It it all of a sudden it just we need we need fairy chimes. Okay, we need we need houses falling on people. All of a sudden, all those things that they told us were the things that were going to save our lives are now gone away. And I'd like to deconstruct that process. I think it's the time is perfect. I'm so grateful that we're here today on Bob's show in this moment in Ohio to discuss what we have spent countless hours on since last February. And I mean countless hours. We have over 25 episodes of the COVID Chronicles, either on radio or on YouTube, in which we basically attacked this issue with one quest, and that is to find the truth about COVID-19. And some people may say, well, wait a minute. If it's June 2nd and it's over, the majority of the orders have been rescinded, why do we need to rehash it? Why do we need to relive it again? Why do we need to take a look at it? But I think it's important from an educational perspective to study history. I don't think we do a good enough job of that at any time because we need to learn from it so the mistakes don't happen again. Rob, 15, 16 months ago, as we worked together with the roundtable, we have offices here in Northeast Ohio, in Middle Tennessee, and in Central Florida. My job is to work in those three offices and keep the work going down the center of the country so that it spreads out across the from coast to coast. So we have to travel a lot. We were in a position of feeling like we were exiles in the in the in the Soviet Union, not knowing what state was going to let us cross a border, what governor was going to let us in. What highway patrol is going to stand there and demand a quarantine if you had an out-of-state license plate? Where could you actually have a safe harbor to continue to conduct your business if it went outside your neighborhood? We were in a position that Americans have never, ever seen, unless you were in a Japanese internment camp in World War II. This was the atmosphere of America. And now people like Mike DeWine and John Husted in the Republican Party want us to just forget all that. They want us just to, oh, never mind that all of this didn't happen. The, the egregious violations of civil liberties and, cons, uh, and, and the constitutional violations, both in our state and federal constitution, exhibited by governors like Mike DeWine, who panicked 
went into an absolute panic state and basically rescinded any connection to history and common sense in the name of panic. We cannot forget this lesson unless we repeat it. You, you and I were together um, March 10th, 2020, may have been March 11th. It was that Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. And we were together at the Florida office of the American Policy Roundtable. And I was scheduled to fly back to Ohio. And I, I remember you and I talking. I said, hey, there's there's some crazy stuff going on there because you had um, the OHSA basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. It was for boys, I believe it was the week of the regionals. And I was scheduled to go watch a game with my son, and they just come out and said only parents of participants are going to be there. And you're talking about it was being played at Cleveland State at the Convocation Center that holds thousands and thousands of people, and now they were going to limit attendance to a couple hundred. And you're like looking around saying, what's going on here? And then the following week, I think the the trigger mechanism for me to look around and say, wait a minute, was the following week on March 16th, it was a Monday, and we were scheduled to have the primary election on March 17th. And the governor and Amy Acton went to a judge in Franklin County and wanted to petition an emergency order to have the election, in essence, postponed or canceled. And I know we talk about this law, but I think it's extremely important for people to understand is the judge basically said, get out of my courtroom, which I applaud the judge for get out of my courtroom. And that's when an order was written by Amy Acton using 3701.13 that gave her ultimate authority. And they, in essence, canceled an election. Yeah, this is one of the earliest points. And I want to go back prior to that um, as we chronicle this. And I think it's appropriate. Now, Now, I know lots of different people listen to Bob's program, and he reaches out and appeals to people who are thinking people regardless of their politics. So I think that's very important. He mentioned his audience as a conservative audience, but we know there's a lot of people that don't necessarily wear labels that listen to talk radio. And this is one of the best talk show programs in America right here. I have the privilege to watch you and listen to you, a co-host here, or excuse me, sub-host in for, for guest host, I should say, for Bob. And I have that privilege of doing that in at WTN in Nashville uh, for a number of really good talk show hosts as well, a number of good programs. We know where the really honest, objective shows are, the shows that are more than shills for certain personalities or people who are just trying to climb the corporate ladder of talking head media. Bob's a real player. He's a real intellect. He really cares about his community. He cares about the state. He cares about this country. And we have a great affinity there because we're in the public policy business for real. We have dirt under our fingernails, and that dirt comes from the state house. It comes from the streets. It comes from the polling places. It comes from the courtrooms. Whatever public policy calls upon Americans to do for the last 42 years, we've done. And we continue to do, but we do it from a nonpartisan basis. Now, in spite of what Larry Arndt says at Hillsdale College and Hugh Hewitt says, which I, with whom I both dramatically disagree, uh, based upon reading the very same original source documents and writing on those documents, America does not need the kind of political parties that we have today. The parties we have today are out of control. They are in bad shape. With power, they're out of with control with, on both sides. And on both sides. And that's not the way this country was established. So our conversation is not going to be tilted to give Republicans or Democrats or anybody an advantage. In addition to that, you and I both know very near and dear truthfully that COVID is real. Yes. We understand that. 
We, like many other people, have COVID experiences. Everybody does now. We're not denying the existence of the disease. But the facts are what the facts are. And what was projected from our very first episode of COVID Chronicles, the first one, based upon our work with our physician on staff, Dr. Chuck McGowan, voluntary on staff, I should say. He's, he's chief medical advisor. Chief medical advisor. We could never afford him. He volunteers We can't afford the titles we give people. Right. That's yeah, why it's that's fun his to give bottom them line. And, he, and he's bigger than the title anyhow. And the folks from Johns Hopkins University, whose material we analyzed and embraced early on, right from the start, as far as core definitions, and the strategy that we laid out for how this should be dealt with from a policy perspective. We know this is real. We do not deny the threat that it is real. But we have analyzed from day one the facts and the policy responses. You hit on one of the early moments of the apex of the stupidity of the DeWine uh, administration on how they handled this. And there are more. And there are more. And there is no way to put a pretty face on this. This is just simple stupid. Humans can be stupid at times. I can be stupid at times. People don't like it when we criticize a Republican. They don't like it when we criticize a name like Mike DeWine. But the truth is the truth. You can't hide behind barriers. People's lives were changed. And the consequences of what Mike DeWine did are substantive in regards to our civil liberties. And there is zero accountability for what they did. So today is June 2nd. Ding dong, the witch is dead. They're burning masks, right? They, they are burning masks, yes. There are some folks that are burning masks. Actually, uh, A.G. Yost and a number of others are burning masks. I think the attorney general could have spoke up instead of burning his masks. I think he could have spoke up for the civil liberties and the constitutional rights of Ohioans throughout this process. So, But you hit on political parties, Dave. And after the break, I want to go a little bit deeper into that. I want to talk about those parties, what it looks like from a power perspective, and should should people just sit down and shut up when the party that right, they do, identify with are in power? That that's you do that's, that. I'm studying Fauci and, and Zuckerberg. You're going right back, now. To going back to Fauci's emails. emails. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, Rob Walgate and Dave Zanotti with you this morning. And, and we're, I would say knee deep, but we're probably shoulder deep in the Fauci emails. And we know we're probably going to have to push a lot of that discussion to tomorrow because there's just so much that we're swimming in with it. But um, there's so much to talk about in Ohio. And before the break, we talked about the parties. And, and for me... Dave, when it comes to the parties, the thing that I said or talked about is the fact that Mike DeWine and John Husted had control and power through Dr. Acton in 3701.13, which now has been taken care of in regards with Senate Bill 22 and the General Assembly overriding the governor's veto. Um, and that goes into effect at the end of this month, that law. But when I looked at it and the decisions that were made and the constitutional rights that were violated by of Ohioans, I just felt like if Democrats were doing that, the same Republicans that were in charge would be turning over tables 
if the shoe was on the other foot, uh, they would they I, would say that's an overreach of government. But yet it's okay when they're in control. I just swam the entire pool of emotions there. I was thinking to myself how noble the description you were giving is. And, and, and let me explain it in this way. Um, as a public policy organization in the state of Ohio, an independent public policy organization does that, that does not take money or is not influenced unduly by either of the political parties, not to say we don't listen to them or if they call and say, can we sit down and meet, that we would fail to do so. But we don't take money from the parties. We don't take money from their candidates. Why? Because we think we're better? No, because we believe in accountability. We really truly do. And if you're going to carry water for certain people and not unveil that, then you're not being honest in the marketplace. We believe the constitutional authority of this country resides in the people based upon their consent, based upon the treatise that we believe in called the Declaration of Independence. And so we've got to tell people what's going on. So here comes this COVID thing. The COVID train is coming down the tracks. And Ohio is a state that is dominated in its state government by Republicans. So you would expect a conservative approach to this, a constitutional approach to this, an approach that is highly oriented toward the protection of civil liberties, at the same time protecting the people who are most vulnerable. This would have been a moment for Republican leadership in the state to shine. And they didn't shine five words just come to my mind to describe what they did, none of which I can say on radio. Andrew has his finger on the dumb button. I'll just stop right there. First mistake, they failed to accurately define what this virus was. Mike DeWine, by his own admission, in an interview from his kitchen table with a reporter for the Xenia Gazette, told everyone that he read Barry's book on the 1918 Spanish flu, and he believed we were experiencing all of that roughly all over again. He got locked in a time warp. It's like he went to the um, Turner movie classic channel or something and watched the 1918 film, fell in love with it, and never could wake up from the illusion. He was completely misdiagnosing the actual crisis. Therefore, he couldn't define reality correctly. Therefore, he was shot from the beginning, and nobody, nobody was able to straighten him out. And in that process, the th- one of the things I was going to say, the thing that drove me the most crazy. One of the things that drove me the most crazy was he turned Ohioans against Ohioans and neighbors against neighbors. And and a perfect example is that is you and I sitting in a restaurant. <laughs> with a board member from the American Policy Roundtable having the discussion about Barry's book in 1918, right. and we were talking about we were talking about apparently the governor didn't read the end of the book, and we were citing yeah. page, page after verse, page after page, right, and, and, and saying what they said about masks then and what they're saying now. And Mike DeWine apparently didn't read the entire book, and we got accosted. Oh, through the plexiglass, plexiglass, double plexiglass walls. In a restaurant, we got a costume. The huffy, puffy woman next to us. She told us how wrong we were. Now, You people. You people. You people. That's right. You people. um, You people are killing people. And we got a lecture. And I'm sitting there. We got screamed at. Yeah, we got screamed at. Normally, I would have stayed 
and maybe defended the position or said something. I'm like, well, DZ has this one. I'm good to go. So I just kind of walked away because I knew you would handle it in a much more calm, responsible manner than I would have handled it because I, w- I just couldn't believe. My, our wives just laughed out loud. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't believe that she said that, but I think that goes back to the messaging that came from Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor said on how they were to treat others that disagreed with them in the process or disagreed with you and Ohioans against Ohioans. And that was something that, that made me scratch my head. There's so much to talk about as it comes to Ohio, as it comes to COVID, and we've got a couple days to do it. And we are going to spend that time doing it. We're going to dissect it. We're going to look at it. And we're going to take a look at it from a constitutional perspective. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Andrew, coming back. That's from Rocky Four, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I sat down with my son, who's 12. Oh, now it's probably been four or five years. I said, there's a movie we have to watch together. I said, we've got to watch Rocky Four. Oh, so yeah. The, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 that's not one of the required movies. There one is re- through four got me big yeah, time. Well, and, and I need the listeners to know and understand, you know, I've worked at the American Policy Roundtable for over 18 years which is hard to believe almost half your life yes (laughs) um but but they're they're required and we can get into this tomorrow they're required readings and movies that you much must watch they're books you must read to be a part of our elite staff to to be a part of the staff because you never know when they're going to be referenced yes and you don't want just yesterday in staff meeting Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah, popped up. It was great. Was referenced, yep. and it was perfect conceptually. And everybody it, exactly it, knew what it, we were talking everybody about. Everybody yeah. knew. So if you haven't seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington, yes. you do need to. And we were talking yeah. about the punch-out scene in Mr. Yeah. Smith goes to Washington in particular, where ta- Jimmy Stewart punched out every major player in the Washington well, press corps in it, the face, and it was covered with great delight. And again, so. shocking that you and I are off on a little bit of a distraction and a side road, but... That's because you did radio yesterday. Oh, don't don't ta- go there. And, don't go and, there. And you were talking about bring, and we won't go there too long today. But you were talking about bringing back duels. The need to <laughs> See, bring nobody, back. Nobody the, cannot say it. The need I, to bring back. Duels I started it on a Toledo and so, radio station yesterday, and then yes. then we went to Mister Smith goes away, and it was long. So anyway, well, let's get back to the story at hand and what we're looking at today in Ohio. And you wanted to go back to the law that we were discussing at the I beginning suppose of the show. I should put in a shameless plug here that for longer discussions about the things that pop out of these staff meetings at the American Policy Roundtable, if you go to thepublicsquare.com, you can hear our programming. The debate that we're having right now is should we have a program that said uh, that, uh, that would be titled, How Did Hamilton Die? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and the discussion on words and consequences and that's how we got to the bridge of the illustration of dueling. So, uh, moms, relax. We're not going to suggest it for grade school kids. That's, it's, it's, it's just, it's a conversation from a historical point of view. Um, let's go back to, uh, where we've all, what we've all been through this last year. And I'm delighted to be in Ohio to have this conversation on this very day 
where Republicans are burning masks at the state house. And yet the problem with that is, is it, it's masks that were dictated by their governor, their governor. And where were they when people were looking at the law and asking what the problem was? I know where you were. I know where the staff of the American Policy Roundtable was and the Ohio Roundtable. Now, we have a different, a number of different state affiliate organizations and we work in a number of different states. So the Ohio connection on this public policy matter, it remains to be our strongest connection because it's where this organization got started. So you all took a look at what you now can rattle off 370113. That's the part of the Ohio Revised Code that deals with emergency standing on quarantine law. And there's law there that exists for over 100 years, and it hasn't been touched for nearly 100 years, uh, mostly for 100 years, in regards to an infectious disease-type epidemic. Ultimate authority in times of isolation and quarantine. And that ultimate authority was vested by this 100-year-old law in the Department of Health, thus the director of the Department of Health, not Mike DeWine. So what Mike DeWine did through this entire process was to put set-up people up as his directors of Department of Health, tell them what to do. They wrote the order and signed it, and then he owned it as his policy, and he stood in front of them and dictated it to the state, to all of the citizens, and defended it in the media. Now, the first people that need to be brought to task on this are the Statehouse News Corps. Because instead of immediately challenging the authenticity of that process, they fell into some celebrity, uh, Us Weekly, USA Today, HBO special, nonsensical worship of Amy Acton, and found themselves basically doing whatever the governor said, whatever Amy Acton said, whatever it took to be a part of their continual endless afternoon pressers in which this soap opera drama began to continue and the State House News Corps was able to basically suck up to the politicians, suck up to Amy Acton to keep their access and to be relevant while the whole world was being told it's on fire and we're all going to die. It was pathetic. Journalism wasn't even dead. That wasn't even remotely close to journalism. Nobody challenged the premises of anything. All they did was surrender. Well, and no one challenged the statistics and the numbers that were coming out talking about what would happen. And they even gave statistics and numbers on what was going to happen that they said even with mitigation, even if you wore masks, even if there was social distancing. And we looked at those numbers and, you know, we kind of scratched our head a bit and said, that, that doesn't add up. And that's why we put in a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request. That for Those very first set of models, I, I can still, it hurts. It hurts to remember. I can still hear the sound in my ears. And it was like breaking glass I've got all those pictures saved on my phone. Where Amy Acton was coming out basically saying, if you have one case, there are at least 10 cases behind every single case. And all of the, the the rabid projections built on models. And then the models began to come out, first model, second model, third model. And the models were the basis upon which we would determine our behavior. So Amy Acton blew up the models, and the governor shut down the state, step by step by step by step. But no one in the State House News Corps had the courage to stand up and say, excuse me, where are these models coming from? 
what meetings were held. Can we, are there transcripts of these meetings? Can we come and witness the meetings? Can we talk to the people who gave you the data on the models? Nobody challenged the models. And there was a law that was passed that had a provision in it that said that lawmakers or state agencies did not have to release data for a FOIA request until after the emergency was over or listed a specific date. And we kind of went crazy on that. And the lawmakers that passed it had no idea that the, that was even in there. So we, we showed it to them. We went after the models and asked through FOIA requests for every bit of information that exists as a matter of public record regarding how those models were created, who was in the room, where were the conversations, all the stuff you do. Our first request was completely rejected. Shocker. Right. And, and, and then, because members of the state house uh in in leadership were not satisfied that they had been accurately portrayed in the governor's rejection of our FOIA request went back and had conversations and then we got finally a release of information on those requests now we'll get into the release of the information in just a minute because we got it's got to take a break here shortly all right but when we break 46 we oh, got 46. a couple oh, minutes we got time. We got we a couple minutes. Time. so uh the we so we basically went after the models but i want to go back to this whole concept before i forget this about the law yes you guys at the round table in ohio were on top of this right from the start on the question of what is legal and what isn't and how should this law work and how is it being taken how are the people of ohio being taken advantage of you were on it from the get-go so and 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 you stayed with it for this entire time and because of your aggressive honest approach not relenting with the legislature laws were passed that put the state legislature back in control of this process the reason that the governor is relinquishing all of the stupidity that he initiated along with Amy Acton and others since last year is because at the end of this month, the law that you helped to pass goes into effect in which the legislature will be in control of all those orders and the legislature is fully committed to blow them all up anyhow. So the governor, not wanting to be embarrassed by his own party, has relinquished on June 2nd, which he was going to have to give up by June 30th anyhow. Yeah, and our goal was just to ask questions and make sure we stood up for the constitutional rights of Ohioans. Because in the beginning, no one was 100% sure what was going to happen or how it was happening. Our only thing was, whoa, wait a minute, slow down. Let's have a conversation and talk about this. Why are we acting in this panic-stricken manner when no one knows what's going to happen and go on? And can we at least have a discussion about it? And if you're a, a diehard Republican only and that's the only way you see the world, I know you're seasick right now. Don't Don't quit. Hang, hang with us for the rest of today and all of tomorrow because we're going to tell you exactly went wrong. doesn't make these people terrible people, and it certainly doesn't leave us hopeless. But unless somebody tells the truth about what happened and, and, and holds somebody accountable for it, we're liable to go through this again, and, and it could be even worse. And I do think the message that they heard is um, the letters next to someone's name don't always matter in the policy decisions they make especially when they've been given that power and control. Yeah, last time I checked, the virus doesn't check your political registration. No, not at all. It does not discriminate. So we have so much more to dive into, and we'll get to all that after the break. You are listening. Rob Walgate, Dave Zanotti, sitting in for Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 